The following content is from Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters, a gospel-driven high-adventure camp in western North Carolina. Go to swoutfitters.com to learn more about our camps and conferences. Enjoy the message. Hey, everybody. Hey, hey, hey. Glad you guys are here, man. This is going to be fun. It's going uh, to be a good weekend. Uh, man, this is a unique weekend for us. This is the only missions conference we do, and so... I'm, I'm really excited to, to talk to you guys about missions. And you guys know what we're talking about when we're talking about missions, no doubt. That we're talking about not primarily like humanitarian work. We're talking about taking, it's the mission, the task of taking the gospel to the darkest parts of the world. Where Christ is not known. Most of which he has never been spoken. His name's never been spoken in. I'm talking about you guys taking the gospel from here over there. And preaching the gospel that people would come to Christ and that you begin to disciple believers and plant churches that then repeat. And they start preaching the gospel and reaching people for Christ. And then they start planting churches and then they repeat and then repeat and then repeat and carry out the great command that Christ has given us. And so, man, it's our prayer for reals. It's our prayer that many of you guys would go. Like you guys would uproot and go to Africa. That you guys, when you're old enough, because some of you guys are in middle school, some of you guys are in high school, some college, some adults in here. And so, man, it's our prayer that you guys would go, uh, many of you. And it's definitely our prayer that all of you would participate in the spread of the gospel to all peoples. And so what I want to do tonight as just kind of the opener is, all right, so the bulk of you guys are high school. So really, how you participate right now? Y'all can't move to India right now. You're like 14. You know, you're 17. You can't just uproot and go over there and start sharing the gospel. So like, how can you prep actively now for that day when you can go? Or how do you pray towards, am I the one that should go? Am I the one that should send? That's what I want to look at. But tonight I want to look at the central task of missions, which is sharing the gospel. Okay, so I became a believer when I was 19-ish, 18-ish. I was, no, I guess it was maybe 17. It, it was in between my senior year of high school and my freshman year of college. And so now I remember as soon as I had accepted Christ that, that I went to this event where this guy was talking about sharing the gospel, sharing the gospel. And I was like, oh, I felt so bad because I was like, well, I don't kind of want to. Like, I was new in my faith, but I was like, that seems so awkward, man. Like, how am I supposed to just go up to like a stranger and be like, hey, buddy, you know, like, you know Jesus? And so I, I remember my first ever time sharing the gospel was like, it was a train wreck. Um, so I was in, I grew up in Columbus, Georgia. I don't know if you guys know where that's at, but that's where I grew up. And I, I had a car at the time. I was driving my car down the road and there's a train tracks running next to the road. And I remember seeing this older lady who had clearly just come from the grocery store. She's carrying her groceries in her hands. And I just, in my heart felt like, you need to go share the gospel with that lady. And I was like, oh, shoot, here we go. All right, let's go, let's go. So I pulled in my car, and I kind of jogged out to the lady, which in retrospect was kind of a mistake, I think. Uh, but I jogged out to this lady on the train tracks, and my big intro was I was going to be like, hey, can I help you with your groceries? And then in my mind, she was going to be like, thank you so much, this is great, and we're going to have just an awesome conversation as I walk down the train tracks for the next however long it took to get there. So I jog over to this lady on the train tracks, and I'm like, hey, let me, let me help you with those groceries. And she goes, nope. And I was like, hmm, okay, because my opener shot, you know, and now I'm just standing awkwardly on the train tracks, and this lady's continuing to walk. So I just kind of walked next to her for a second, and I was kind of short-circuiting like, do it, do it, do it, share the gospel, do it. And I was like, you believe in God? 
the end. That was, that was my share in the gospel. And she stopped and she looked at me and she goes, who do you think keeps me alive while I sleep? <laughs> and she started walking again. I went, okay, thank you. And I just kind of walked off. That was it. Like, that was my first big share in the gospel experience. It was, it was awful. It was terrible. And I remember after that thinking, I am not going to do that again. I did, I did not like the way that felt. Like, but to be real, I think one of the reasons it's so hard is because we're bad at it. It feels really unnatural to share the gospel, but it's one of the most important things we can do. It really is. Talk about for a believer, studying the scriptures and sharing the gospel, this is like the ABCs. This is what we should be about. So I want to talk for a minute and just give you three reasons why I think sharing the gospel for you guys is crucial. It's crucial to your Christian walk. It's crucial to obedience. And the first reason is going to get real heavy real quick. And, but y'all know this. Like The first reason why I believe it's crucial for us to share the gospel is because of hell. Y'all, hell is real. It's real. And people who die without a relationship with Jesus really go there. You think about the people, you know, that you know that have died or even people, you know, famous people. You think about Kobe or DMX, you know, some of these folks in recent history. And, you know, everybody tweets about them like, I mean, rest in peace, you know. And you, you got to think, all right, where is DMX right now? Like, is he in heaven? Is he in hell? This is how I came to Christ. I had a friend of mine um, who was on my basketball team my senior year who killed himself. And he shot himself. And I remember right after that thinking, all right, where is he? Like right now, he didn't just go nowhere. Like, where is he? And that started me on a year of really studying, thinking, is hell real? Is heaven real? So one crucial reason we need to be sharing the gospel is because of the reality of hell. Seriously, have you guys read about hell in the scriptures? It is terrifying, if you really think about it. I want to put up some images on here, but it's going to be way too small for you guys to read. So I'm going to tell you what it says. The Bible speaks of hell a lot. And one way it speaks of it is darkness. You think the darkness is scary. If you're alone, the darkness is scary. But in Matthew 8, Matthew 25, 2 Peter 2, and Jude 13, hell is described as darkness forever. It's also described in Matthew in several places, in Jude and Revelation and Luke, as fire or a lake of fire, which, pause for a second. A lot of folks who don't believe in Christianity would be like, see, that's wrong right there. It can't be dark and fire at the same time. Fire is light and dark's dark. Like they, they can't coexist. All right, let's pause on that. We'll talk about that for a second. But it's described as darkness. It's described as burning or a lake of fire. It's one of the most terrifying things in Daniel, Matthew, Matthew, Mark, Jude, Revelation, and Second Thessalonians is it's described as eternal, as in it never stops. A darkness, a fire that never ends. Luke describes it as unquenchable thirst. Matthew describes it as gnashing of teeth, like it's so bad you're just grinding your teeth. Matthew and Mark describe it as worse than physical pain. It's described as everlasting contempt, as punishment, as judgment, as torture, torment in Luke 16. Revelation 14 gives the most terrifying description is that it's the full fury of God, the full anger and wrath not watered down at all of God. If you stop and think about what hell really is and that people really go there at an alarming rate, it has motivation to share the gospel. So here's the question. Is this for real? Like, 
when you hear descriptions about hell, is it literal fire and darkness, or how can those exist at the same place, or is it allegory? Is it like, you know, just we're using fire and darkness to describe something else? Well, if you really think about it, if hell is literal fire and darkness, that is unimaginably horrible. But if they're just allegory to describe something worse than fire and darkness, that's even more terrifying. You ever think about that? If he's using the worst things that we could possibly think of to describe something worse, uh, J.R. Packer says this, don't try to imagine what it's like to be in hell. The mistake is to take such pictures as physical descriptions when in fact they're imagery symbolizing realities worse than the symbols themselves. John Calvin says, by such expressions, the Holy Spirit certainly intended to confound all of our senses with dread. But we don't think about hell much. Really. Do y'all? I mean, I don't. You know, we, and I think it's because we don't have a visual. You know, on earth, you know, I had a granddaddy, an aunt. I, I had several people in my family that died um, because they were smokers. They died of lung cancer. So I had a visual warning here on earth. Don't do that. Don't, don't smoke because it ends up right there. You know, if you see someone die of cirrhosis of the liver, you're warned. Don't drink that much. Like it, there's warnings here on earth, right? I think if you could see the reality of hell for 30 seconds, your entire life would be changed. The, your mission in life, your priorities in life, your time on the computer, your time with your friends, what comes out of your mouth, your entire life would be changed if we were to see the reality of hell. So that's, that's the first reason I think it's so important for us to be sharing the gospel. The second reason is because of the great need. How many people die every day in the world? How many do you think? I'll put up this little chart here. This, uh, it took me a while to, to get these numbers out and to get them as accurate as I could for today. Every year, 55 and a half million people die across the world. That's a lot of people, and that number's too big for us to really comprehend. So shrink it down to every month, 4.6 million people die. You know how many people that is? That's about the population of Alabama. So every month, about the population of Alabama walks off into eternity. Some to heaven, some to hell. Every day, 151,000 people, give or take, die. So today, it's Friday. The day's almost over. Today, 151,000 people. That brings it down to every hour. 6,300 people die. That means from the time you entered this building to the time you leave this building, over 6,300 people, 6,319 people will flatline somewhere today. That means every minute, 105 people die. I've been speaking for 10 minutes 1,000 people have died since I've started speaking? Die. That's crazy. That's, that's almost two per second. Two more, two more, two more. Y'all, that's crazy. When you think about, when you think about it globally, how many of those people that are pouring into eternity at such an alarming rate, how many of them don't know Jesus? Now, pause for a second. I could throw out a bunch of numbers. I'm just going to give you a couple because the numbers are hard to grasp. But, you know, there's different ways of calculating people groups. It's not nations, but it's people groups. There's different ways to calculate it, you know, based on ethnicity, based on geography. But, and so there's different numbers that you see out there on the Internet. The numbers I looked up today, there's 17,461 people groups in the world that comprises 7.9 billion people on the planet. Those numbers are so big, it's just like, you know. But... 
out of those people groups, 2,380 of those groups are less than 2% Christian. Isn't that crazy? That's, that, those people make up 1.34 billion people, almost a quarter of the world. So almost a quarter of the world live in a population that's less than 2% Christian. Now, an additional 5,052 groups are completely unengaged. Like, you know, that one group had less than 2% Christian, but these groups have like almost 0% Christian, completely unengaged, never heard of Jesus. If you were to say, hey, if you heard of Jesus, nobody in that area could even tell you what you're talking about. No church planning movements. This is 1.9 billion people over a quarter of the world lives in that category. Isn't that crazy? So half of the world lives in a population that is 2% or less Christian. And every second, two of somebody is pouring into eternity. The first one is because of the reality of hell. The second reason is because of the great need. And we think about the half that's pouring into the world. What, what about people who've never heard? Now, I encourage you to go back and listen to breakouts we've done about what about people who've never heard the gospel. But people who die without Christ go to hell. These people aren't innocent that have never heard. In fact, John 3 says this, whoever believes in Jesus is not condemned, but whoever doesn't believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. That means these people who don't know Christ, they stand condemned already. They're already condemned. Remember, Jesus said, I didn't come into the world to condemn the world. That was already done. I came into the world to save it. These people stand condemned already and are pouring in. You know, Romans 5 says they're not only condemned, they're enemies. So hell exists, and there's a great need because so many who are pouring into eternity, they stand condemned. I think the third reason is so important for us to share the gospel is because we've been commanded to do so. Matthew 28, Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. You've been commanded. What are you going to do with that command? The command is go or facilitate the going or be disobedient. That's it. You know what's crazy is like a lot of times in the scripture, the negative commands get more weight than the positive ones, right? You get a command like, thou shalt not murder. And we're like, absolutely. I'm not going to do that. Um, do not commit adultery. Great. Go share the gospel. Eh. Well, that's kind of a lighter command. Like uh, that, one, that one's all right to kind of, you know, somebody's going to do it. What if somebody else is saying the same thing? So we think failing to share the gospel is failing to obey, really. So in light of these three things, because of the reality of hell, because of the great need and the great command, here's the question. Why aren't we sharing the gospel? These are huge reasons. Why aren't we sharing more? Why don't our neighborhoods here look different? Much less, why aren't we sending missionaries to the mission field? Why aren't our churches emptying and pouring over to these nations where they've never heard? Maybe, why aren't you, why aren't, why, why aren't I sharing the gospel? There's a gap between what we know we should do and what we do. We know we should share the gospel, but we don't. Why not? That's what I want to look at. 
Let me give you five reasons. These are not mine. They come from a guy named Mike McKinley. I want to give five reasons why we don't share the gospel. And I'm going to give you a, a little disclaimer. Like, not all of these are you. Like, one of these or two of these, you might be like, shoot, that is me. But one or two, you'd be like, no, that's not me. So, okay, great. Get in where you fit in on, on these five. You know what I'm saying? So, there are five reasons why we don't share the gospel. Not all of these are going to apply to you. Number one, people aren't sharing the gospel because they don't know lost people. Okay, now some of y'all are like, definitely not me. Like my whole family's lost. Everybody I go to school with, everybody in my basketball. Okay, that's not you, all right? But it is some of you. Because somehow to, in today's culture, Christians can live on a parallel path with non-believers that never crosses. You know, we got Christian churches, obviously, but we got Christian schools and Christian businesses, even Christian sports leagues, Christian clubs, not like, you know, a lot of clubs, but like Christian, like clubs you can be a part of, you know, <laughs> I got myself, uh, but like, seriously, think about this, like, have you led someone to Christ recently? Have you shared Christ with somebody outside of the church? A lot of Christians haven't because we don't have much contact with lost people, and some of y'all might be like, well, to be honest, like, I'm kind of worried if I, if I have lost friends, I'm kind of worried that I'm going to start acting like lost people, like, I'm, I'm worried that I'm going to start sinning. And I say, I, I, I hear you on that. However, you guys are in high school. Some are in middle school, but if, if you're not mature enough spiritually to be around non-believers without falling into sin, you need to get there. You need to get there quick. You need to mature in your walk with Christ. Reason number two why we don't share the gospel. One is maybe we don't lo know lost people. Maybe that's not you. Number two, Maybe we don't share the gospel because we believe evangelism is for the pros. Like, it, man, that's like the next level of Christianity. This is varsity, but that's like the, the NBA of Christianity. Like, maybe, you know, maybe that's just for pastors or for the professionals or for like those that are really going above and beyond. Like, I'm trying to avoid sin. I'm reading my Bible on occasion. But the super Christians, those are the ones that are getting out there. You know, they're sharing the gospel. But in the Bible, that's not true. In Acts 8, when the, when the gospel spreads, it's not from the apostles primarily, it's from the normal Christians who take the message out of Jerusalem into the wider world. You know, again, I think a lot of times it's not because we believe it's for the pros. We know it's for everybody, but we kind of believe it's a blanket statement for everybody in the church. Go make disciples, church, global church. But for me, I can stay at home. Somebody else will do that. But again, what if somebody else is saying the same thing you are and the task just doesn't get done? You have been commanded. What are you going to do about that? We got to do something with it. Here, here's reason number three, and I think this is the real one for most of us. We don't share the gospel because it feels weird. Am I right? It feels weird. It's just like, how am I supposed to transition with this guy? We're playing basketball. How am I supposed to transition to be like, hey, uh, buddy, uh, you know that you're an enemy of God and stuff? Okie doke. You know, like it, it feels weird, and we're like, how am I supposed to swap the conversation there? Because we don't want to do the bait and switch, you know? We don't want to uh, come across as a salesman, right? A sales pitch. Like, okay, so I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, we went over to, so we do a lot of traveling at Snowbird, and we're, we're tied in with some missionaries. Uh, a lot of them come out of our church, Red Oak. A lot of them come from Snowbird. It's great. So we were in Dubai, which is a city out in the Middle East. 
It was really great. But we were traveling in this like marketplace. And in this market, it was like, after a while, you see every store is the same. And so these little guys would have like incense, uh, funny pants, and some statues. You know, like, and the next store would have funny pants and incense and statues. And the next store would have statues and incense and funny pants. Like it was just the same store over and over. But every store, they'd come out and be like, hello, 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 come into my store. And after a while, you just realize, keep my head down, just travel. So, but if you're in a group, you're usually pretty good. But somehow I got separated from my group. So here I am walking in Dubai in this little marketplace, trying to mind my own business, kill time while everybody else shops for funny pants. And this, I was wearing an Atlanta Hawks t-shirt because uh, I like the Hawks. I'm from Georgia. Anyway, so I'm walking down the little way and this guy pops out who is clearly Middle Eastern and he's like, Atlanta Hawks. And I went, what? And he said, are you from Georgia? And I said, you know about the Hawks. And so he reaches out and shakes my hand. So I shake his hand, you know, and I shake it a normal amount of time. You know, you shake someone's hand and you're like, maybe like one or like maybe like one, two. Rarely does it go one, two, three. But I was kind of gave him a shake and I realized he's not really letting go. So I gave him like three or four. And then, you know, we talked about the Hawks for about one second. And then I did my part. I let go with my side, but he did not let go with his side. And he pulls me real close and he goes, you come into my store. And I squeezed his hand as hard as I could, and I said, no, I don't. <laughs> and so, I, but I was really disappointed because I thought I had a, a, like a Middle Eastern friend here because he was like Atlanta Hawks. I thought we were going to talk about the Hawks. He just wanted me to come into his store, and I was like, man, dang it. I thought we were having a conversation. This is a sales pitch. That's what we don't want. We don't want to have a friend and our friend to be like, man, I thought I had a friend. You just, you're just sales pitching me into Christianity. That's, we don't want that bait and switch, and we don't know how to avoid kind of the, the awkwardness of that, you know? And if we do present, you know, we're like, okay, well, I know I need to share. If I don't share, I'll feel guilty. If I do share, I'll feel weird. So what do I want? Do I want to feel guilty? Do I want to feel weird? Guilty or weird? I just won't do anything. I just kind of freeze until the situation kind of passes us by. It is really hard to share with a stranger. It is really difficult. Nobody really strikes up conversations with strangers in public, but you know what isn't hard? Sharing with a friend. Sharing with your friends. You get, y'all got friends, right? Yowch. Maybe it won't be easy for you. (laughs) There are a couple of people who boldly went, I do not. All right, make some friends. That might be your only lesson for this weekend. But y'all got friends, hopefully, right, to fake it. Yeah, we're, yeah, man, we got friends. All right, so when you got your friends, and for those of you that don't, you should know. Uh, but with your friends, what do you talk about 90% of the time? Nothing. Nothing. It's whatever. It's like a combination of whatever, you know, like, hey, I saw this today. This happened today. I'm, uh, did you see the game last night? Hey, have you seen him? Ever? You know, whatever. And then 10% of the time it gets real right? 90% it's whatever. 10% of the time it gets real. In that 10% of the time, that's your window. That's when you can open up and share about the most important thing in your life, which is Christ. And the easy way to do that is share your story. Yes, it's difficult to share with strangers, but maybe you just need to step into a place where you can make some lost friends. If every Christian met and made lost friends and became their friends and then took advantage of that 10% of time where things get real and shared the gospel with them, man, we wouldn't have to have so many uh, conversations with strangers in the U.S. 
Now, on the flip side, the gospel is a difficult message to share. You're telling people they are enemies. Don't tell them like this. But you're telling people they are enemies of God and that their desires are off and that they're going to hell if they don't, like, confess Jesus, if they don't believe in Jesus, if they don't repent. And, and uh, I'll read a quote from that guy, Mike McKinley. He said, if I understand Paul correctly, it is actually God's plan for you to suffer some as you share the gospel. If you don't agree, read through the book of Acts and make a note of every time someone shares the gospel and something bad happens to them. Now, when it comes to pay, time to pay the price and share the gospel, many of us simply aren't willing to lose our reputations. Youch. He's saying, why don't we share? We're too concerned with our image a lot of times or what people think about us. Man, let that sink in for a second. It is intimidating to share the gospel, though. But the good news is, remember when Jesus gave us the command, he said, all authority has been given to me, so you go. All authority has been given to me. What am I saying? Yeah, it's difficult. Think about missions. You're going to go into another culture that speaks another language where they worship something different for centuries, like his dad and his granddaddy and his granddaddy worshiped a snake or the sun or something else. And you're going to walk into that culture and say, hey, guys, everything you believe is wrong. Everything your morality is based on is wrong. Your God is wrong. Your action is wrong. Your life setup is wrong. And I alone have the right answer. Of course, our culture says, man, that's garbage. How are you going to go into that place? That's arrogance for you, for you to say you got the right answer and all these guys are wrong. That would be arrogance if you went on your own authority. But you don't. You go on the authority of God who made everything and holds creation in his hand. He, the very breath that's in people's lungs, he's causing them to breathe in and out. And he and his grace sent you with the message because of his authority. It's his message. You just get to be the messenger. All authority is Christ's, so you go. So the, the first reason what, that we don't share is because maybe we don't know lost people. Second reason is we believe it's for the pros or maybe for everybody, but not me. The third reason we don't share is that it just feels weird. The fourth reason we share is, and, and this is true for me, we just don't feel the weight of the need. We know it but we don't feel it on the day-to-day. -day. Like if someone were to ask you about hell and the need, we're like, oh yeah, man, that's, that's terrible. We need to go. And you come to a missions conference and you're like, I'm gonna do something about this. And then some time passes and that kind of cools off a little bit and we don't feel the weight. And I think that's precisely for you guys, if you don't get anything else tonight, this is why we need to be people that are saturated in the scriptures. You need to be studying the word daily, daily, daily to have a dose of reality, what the world's really like outside of our culture now. You know, Jesus talks about hell in greater detail and more often than he talks about heaven. You can ask God to help you see things more correctly, to help you see people not as cool people or uncool people or this color or that color, but as eternal souls that are headed to heaven or to hell. Man, when you go into another country, it's a little bit easier. We went to India, and I remember one time in the airport just being overwhelmed, seeing people pass me and knowing the percentages for India and thinking, oh my gosh, almost all these people are going to hell. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Like, and I begged God to keep that before my eyes, but I get back to the States and get back into my groove and it's like, I'm thinking about what people are wearing? It's so superficial. That's why my mind needs to be saturated in the scripture. The fifth reason I think we don't share the gospel is because we're not clear on the message. 
If I were to ask you, what is the gospel? Could you articulate it? If not, you need to get there. Y'all in high school, if you're a believer, no, probably some people in the room aren't believers, but we're, you can't share the gospel if you don't know it. Second Corinthians 5 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself, made things right, pause, made things right between us and him. He reconciled us to himself and then gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. What? That is crazy. He's saying Christ is reconciling us to God and then he hands us that ministry of reconciliation. How Christ lets people be reconciled, made right with God. We were enemies, now we can be sons and daughters. And then he's entrusted that message not to your pastor. He's entrusted that to you. He's given that message to you. And he goes on and says this, therefore, because we've been entrusted with that message, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. Man, what a privilege that God would make his appeal to lost people, but that the way he would do it, his plan A is you, and there's no plan B. You've been entrusted. We got to go with this message. They're not going to come here. We got to go and bring this message. Who are we bringing it to? For now, you're bringing it to your lost family members. You're bringing it to that kid on your basketball team. You're bringing it to your community. You could tell 100 stories about how your community is hurting and needs Jesus, and you're the plan. You're it. But then you also, simultaneously, you need to figure out, like, the global plan. How are you going to fit in the Great Commission where millions are dying with no access to the gospel? There's access here. You need to be faithful here. But what about those out there that have no access? You need to figure that out. Let me give you a couple points, and this is going to be the close, on what you can do right now to prep to reach the dark corners. Three points. Number one, right now, if you're in college, if you're in middle school, right now, how you can prep is you can learn the message of the gospel. Study the Bible. Man, you come to a lot of conferences, and they'll focus on methods, but not on the message. But the message is what's been entrusted to us. We need to learn the message of the gospel. Here's the deal. We're not going to be excited about missions if we're not excited about the gospel. We're not going to be excited to tell people about how they can be rescued from the wrath of God and be made right with, with God unless we're excited about that message, about what Jesus did for us. Unless our mind has been blown by that great truth, we're not going to be excited to share it. How do you share Jesus? You don't need to memorize a gimmick. You don't need to memorize a script. You need to memorize the word. You don't need to know all the arguments so you can refute them. You need to know the word. You don't need to, to speak about all these different things. You just need to speak the word. If you don't know the scriptures, you can't truly share well. You'll re recite some trite sayings you've, you've, you've heard or you'll beg for a script. You know, like a telemarketer. Y'all... Y'all got phones? You get calls from telemarketers yet? Uh, the guy's saying, um, please extend the warranty on your car. You know the best way to get them off script? You know, because I got a script. What, what do you? Oh, that's perfect. That's perfect. Uh, excuse me, sir, I don't have, what do they do? Do they hang up on you? 
Oh, it's just a robot. Okay. Well, if you get to a real person. So, I, see, I do something similar. I do have a car. But I always say, uh, if they say, your warranty's expired, I'll say, oh, on which car? And they don't know. Is it the Toyota or the Chevy? And, and I don't tell them what it is. And, and they're like, uh, the newest one. And I'll say, uh, they're both 2010s. And they'll be like, then both of them. I'm like, both of my car's warranties are expiring on the same day. What are the chances? And they hang up, you know, because they have a script, you know, where it's like, if you say yes, then they go to question two. If you say no, they skip to question three, right? But if you say something weird to them and they get off script, you know, of like, are you happy with your car's insurance? And you say, what is happiness really? You know, and you're like, they're like, ah, ah. Then they're off script, you know. But that's the danger in like, all right, I want to share the gospel. I got to get a script. Here we go, here we go. If you die tonight, are you 100% sure you're going to heaven? That'll be question one. If they say yes, I'll move to question two. If they say no, that's when I'll move to monologue one. And then if, you know what I'm saying? Like, and we have this script down. You don't need to do that. Because what if your friend says, all right, I hear all that. But what I'm really struggling with is why do bad things happen to good people? Tell me about the problem of evil. Why are these shootings going on? Well, then now you're off script. What are you going to do there? You need to memorize the word. You need to know the message and be passionate about it, and you won't need a script. In fact, a script will get in the way. Step number two, what you can do right now, you can be talking, listen, talk to your saved friends about the gospel. Your believing friends, talk to them about the gospel. This is the best, man, a lot of times we're so intimidated about talking to lost people about the gospel because we don't talk to anybody about the gospel, saved, lost, whatever. Talk to your friends about Jesus. Do you talk to your friends about Jesus? You talk to your friends about what's important to you, period. Family's important to you, basketball's important to you, talk to them about those things. Talk to your friends about your saved friends about Jesus. If they're truly a friend and they're truly saved, that'll be a good conversation. But if you get used to bringing up Jesus in a conversation with your saved friends, it's going to be easier to transition to your lost friends about the gospel. That is a huge tip. Talk to Get used to speaking the gospel with your saved friends. And then point number three is talk to lost people about the gospel. Learn how to alleviate the weirdness. Learn from example. Man, hang out with your youth pastor. They're sharing the gospel. I remember I went to Atlanta one time. We're flying out to Honduras, and uh, we stayed at Rob. Uh, he'll be around this weekend, but he, uh, he had a, a relative we were staying with, and it was his uncle, and his uncle's a non-believer, and we're on the couch watching NFL football. Rob was here. I was here. Uncle was here. We're just watching the Falcons, and everything's good, and all of a sudden, I, Rob, Rob's told me this guy's not a believer. All of a sudden, Rob just starts sharing the gospel with this guy, and I'm like, Oh, shoot, we're doing it right here. Here we go. And was it awkward? Mm-hmm. Was it awesome? Yeah, it really was. It was great. And I thought, man, I can do that. I can do that. Man, learn from example. Start a friendship with lost friends. It'll be easier, especially if you've already practiced talking to your saved friends. Start a conversation even if you don't have a friendship. And maybe the Lord will give you that conversation with a stranger but when you do open your mouth tell the truth the whole truth about the gospel all about God there are difficult parts but Matthew 8 28 says teach them to observe all that I've commanded you even the take up your cross and deny yourself part even the difficult parts the gospel demands much but if the Holy Spirit's working people come to know Christ 
We're not trying to get decisions. We're trying to help make disciples. And God does the work, but he does it through us. Matthew 24 tells us, all nations are going to hear, and then the end's going to come. And you're invited into that. You get to be a part of that. And here's the deal. You get, I don't know what age you guys are, but you get three more years to share the gospel here, and then you can go do it to the nations. But here's a warning. If you're not doing it here, you're not going to do it there. A plane ride to Chad, a plane ride to India, isn't going to transform you into somebody that shares the gospel. Because think about, when you get over there, you got more hurdles. Now you don't know their language or their weather or their culture itself. You don't know the other religions. Right now, you guys are from Tennessee and Georgia and other parts. Like, I could plop you down into any small town in the south, you'd be just fine. You'd, you'd already know the school schedule and social media and high school football and the language and the weather, and you're good to go, right? You have everything's green lights right now. You have friends, established relationships, shared experiences. If you're not sharing here, what makes you think you're going to share over there where there's more obstacles? We've asked a lot of times at Snowbird, how do we get people? How do we equip people? How do we motivate people to go? What, we, what we've really thought about is, man, if these students could feel the weight of those that stand condemned, and if they could personally be pursuing the Lord, it's going to happen. If those two things can happen, man, if your heart, if you're blown away by the gospel, by your own salvation, if you're pursuing the Lord and you have your heart broken for those who stand condemned already, man, we believe God will cause you to be obedient to the call whether that's here or whether that's there. But man, you get passionate about the Lord now, you start sharing the gospel right now, you start making disciples right now, man, you'll be, I mean, moving with so much momentum to take that lifestyle to the nations. That's a person that overcomes the hurdles and makes disciples. Man, it's, it's a privilege, it's a privilege to be an ambassador of, of God's. And here's the thing, it's, it's an, sometimes an awkward job but it's awesome. Man, you'll get better at it. You can do it. You just need to take a little courage and go, and you need to remember that God is with you always, e even to the end of the age. Let's pray. Thanks for listening. We hope this has encouraged you in your walk with Christ. Be sure to give us a rating and review, and for more Snowbird content, check out our other podcast, No Sanity Required.